All right, good morning. Good to see you today. Lord bless you. You made it out through the cold. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad you're here. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high. And our ushers would put the word of God in your hand. Get your hand up real high so they can see you. And then we will go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Kind of get an idea this morning where we're going. We're just going to talk to Jesus and learn how we do that more and more through the scriptures. So I believe God's going to touch your heart today in just a real tangible way. One thing that Solomon didn't tell you is I, I didn't tell them to learn that song until Wednesday. I'm such a detailed planner. And so that song is actually eight minutes long. So I went in one day on Wednesday and I said, hey, you think you guys can pull this one off? And so thank God they did well, didn't they? Just really, really, really anointed. So, so the goal today is to, to saturate you with that thought. Prayer is just talking to Jesus. And I believe you'll hear this several times this morning. So once you get to the book of Acts 2, I'll begin in verse 40 and leading up to that. Peter, man, he, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. God begins to move in his life. He preaches the word to him. Actually, later on in Acts 2, it said that when he spoke the word of God to him, it cut him to heart. And they said, what do we do? And he said, you got to repent. You got to get born again. And you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is kind of where we pick up. Acts 2, verse 40. And with many other words, he testified, Peter did, and exhorted them saying, be saved. Be saved. You, you got to get born again. You got to give your heart to Jesus. Now understand with that word, be saved, salvation is just the starting point. That, that's not the ending point, that we give our heart to Jesus and then that's it. No, that is just the starting point. But I, I don't advance spiritually without being saved. You got to be born again. You got to give your heart to Jesus. You can't earn that. According to Ephesians 2.8, you're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. So Peter says, be saved from this perverse or crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word, they gladly received the word of God. They were baptized. They were water baptized, which is a, a sign of salvation. You're dying to that old man. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So you begin to see that, that Peter was big in this thing called an evangelistic campaign. We can never back away from seeing people get born again. It should never become boring to watch people get born again. Verse 42. And they continued. Now look at that real carefully. The people that got born again, they got water baptized. It says they continued. They didn't stop. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. And so as they continually uh, continued steadfast, there are four fundamental activities or devotions that he mentioned right there. Immediately, he said, they continued in the doctrine, the teaching of the word of God. The, the, the doctrine that we've got to hear is, is the Bible, which is the written word of God. Now, this book is not, not just merely a book. The Bible is the authoritative word of God. And one thing you cannot do, you cannot mix human opinion with divine or godly opinion, okay? 
You start mixing human opinion with divine opinion, it'll mess you up. The word of God is how we're to live our life. So the very first thing he said, they continued in the word of God. Number two, he said, in, in fellowship. The word fellowship here has the meaning of sharing. It has the meaning of unity, close uh, participation, a, a brotherhood. And so when we talk about fellowship, man, it is important that we come together as the body of Christ and we unite under the name of Jesus. And because unity is such a big deal, he said in Psalms 133, in the place of unity where God commands the blessing. So something happens when we fellowship. The third one that he brings out is the breaking of bread. Now that can mean eating a meal together. But the most significant aspect of the breaking of bread is the communion elements. Something happens when we partake of the bread and the cup together. And notice the fourth one. And in prayers. Now note the word prayers is plural. We don't pray one time in our life and then we're good forever. No, that's not how it works. He says in prayers, in talking to Jesus. So this is a fundamental devotion or principle that every one of us need to get a hold of. We, we need to make prayer a, a big deal. And I don't know if prayer has been a big deal in your life, but when you talk about prayer, man, I can pray to transform my, my circumstances. Prayer changes people's lives. Prayer draws us closer to God. So there are only certain things that prayer can activate. Remember the Lord Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And so are there things in your life that have not been activated because you don't pray? And prayer has been around a long, long, long time. Actually, the first mention of prayer was found in Genesis chapter 4. And it says this was the first time that mankind called upon the name of the Lord. We can go through scripture. You can go to the prophet of Isaiah. He prayed. Jeremiah, he prayed. We can go all through the New Testament. The disciples prayed. Actually, you get toward the end of the Bible in James. James 4, he said, you have not because you ask not. So prayer's been around a long time. And in saying that, I don't want to be a generation of prayerlessness. I want to be a generation that prays. And so we can't de-emphasize prayer. We must emphasize prayer. And so the goal here today is you're going to find out prayer is a big deal to God. Prayer is your passport to heaven. Prayer is the way I linked heaven right here to earth. And so when you, you read that or heard the lyrics about the song that we sang, I believe prayer is one of the greatest generational blessings that we can pass on to our children. There's no doubt in my mind. How many in here are here this morning because either a praying mom, praying dad, praying grandma or granddad. How many in here? Thank God we had people in our bloodline that knew how to pray. I say this quite often. Praying Samuels come from praying Annas. And so I pray something today happens within us that we birth this talking to Jesus. Now, turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. 
And as you're turning, I, I believe you'll see biblically the incredible potential when we pray. Just incredible what goes on. Philippians 4, verse 6. Apostle Paul writing said, be anxious for nothing. Don't have anxiety about anything. The passion says don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Don't be anxious for nothing. Now, if we were truthful here right now, how many of you got a little anxiety or worry about something in your life right now? It's okay to admit that. I mean, every one of us are going to battle anxiety. And so what happens with anxiety? When I get over with anxiety, anxiety leads to worry. And worry leads to fear. And fear, a lot of times, will, will come back around in a thing called panic attacks. But it all starts from this thing called anxiety. And it's interesting. He said, don't be anxious for nothing or about anything. Keep reading. But in everything, but in everything... Not for everything, but in everything. Now, Paul is getting ready to give us the remedy for anxiety and worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Now, supplication is a form of prayer. It can be called petition. It is a, a definite request. It is very specific. Do you know, I believe this, that God likes when our prayers are very specific. And so sometimes when we go to, to buy a car, if you went to buy a car and the guy said, well, what are you looking for? And you said, just a car. Well, do you want two door or four door? I just want a car. Well, what color do you want? Do you want an SUV? Do you want a sedan? Do you want a And so again, when we go purchase something, even as simple as a vehicle, we get very specific. So if we're specific about a vehicle, why aren't we specific about our prayers? And I personally believe God eats it up when you're specific. So he says by prayer, supplication, and, and those two combined together, you know what I believe it says? It's time to get real with God. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. So I come before God with a posture of prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I don't thank God for the, the, the circumstances in. I thank God because God is a God who answers prayer. And so he said, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, what would happen every single time when anxiety or worry shows up at your door if I would use that anxiety and that worry as a signal, it's time to pray? It's time to pray. I believe it's you. So the next time, worry and anxiety, and it may be going on right now in your life where, man, I am worried. I am anxiety. I'm, I'm freaking out, pastor. What would happen if we begin to pray? Supplications. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for hearing my prayers. Thank you for listening to me. Now, if I obey verse 6, if I pray with supplication and thanksgiving, there is something that me and you biblically can expect. You want to see what you can expect? Look at verse number seven. And the peace of God, and it doesn't say the peace of the world, it says the peace of God. The peace of God is a word called shalom. Woo! 
That's a whole different ball game of peace. And the longer you serve God, you can go without a lot of things. You can't go without the peace of God. And we live in a world of chaos right now, but very in the very midst of chaos, I can have peace. I can sleep well at night because the peace of God which surpasses my understanding, my thinking, the peace of God which surpasses my understanding will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. Now that's a promise. And so am I living beneath the promise? And if you are, it may be because we hadn't obeyed what he said to pray, supplication with thanksgiving. But there is a promise here that when I step out by faith and I do what the word of God said, he said, it'll surpass. Thank you for some of you being excited. The rest of you need to get saved. It doesn't compute here, the peace of God. It surpasses my understanding. Guards my heart. You know what? I sense it like, it's like God puts soldiers all around your mind and your thinking. He just protects your mind. And I'm telling you, all hell can be broke loose all around you. But the peace of God would surpass my understanding. will guard my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So, sometimes in our life, have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to pray? I don't know what to pray. When you're in those places, just pray the word. Just pray the Bible. Just pray Philippians 4, 7. I thank you, Father God, right now that the peace of God which surpasses my understanding will guard my heart and mind through Christ. Begin to pray the word of God. That's biblical. That's 1 Chronicles 17. King David did that. He said, I just pray your promises, Father God. There's a nugget in there. Start praying God's promises over your life. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. So as we're turning here, what blessings have we forfeited in our life because we don't pray? And when I talk about prayer, it literally is just talking to Jesus. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to have a bunch of titles. You, you don't have to feel like you're that important. Just come to Jesus and talk to Jesus. And so I, I want to read this passage here. This, this is a passage here that will line up biblically through everything we've talked about in the last three weeks. Acts 10 verse 1. There was a certain man. Just a certain man. In Caesarea, called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. So this guy named Cornelius is a Roman military officer. But we also got to add in there, he's a Gentile. When you study the Bible, you're either Gentile or you're Jew, okay? That's what he's talking. He is a Gentile. Verse 2. A devout man, a devoted man, and one who feared God. And so this Gentile is a God-fearer. But know what it says right after that. And it says, with all his household. So he was modeling to his household what it looked like to be a devoted man of God and a man who feared God. He said, you know what? I'll be the example. 
Keep reading. One who gave alms generously. The alms would be looked at as a charitable gift. So this guy named Cornelius, he had a heart to take care of people. He was a giver. Some of the qualities that stand out right there. It goes on to say, and prayed to God always. He prayed to God always. He talked to Jesus always. Now, what we see here were four aspects of his character. He was devoted to Jesus. He was a God-fearer. He loved to give, and he was a man of prayer. Wow. Hmm. Pretty good characteristics, huh? Verse 4. Actually, verse 3. About the ninth hour, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. He had gotten heaven's attention coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and saying to him, Cornelius. When I read that statement and saying to him, I wonder if there's things that God has been saying to me and you, but we've refused to listen. He's been saying to him, and so he says, Cornelius. And when Cornelius observed the angel of God, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So the angel said to him, now listen to this, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Your prayers and your giving are an eternal offering that literally got God's attention. So if his prayers and his giving got God's attention, can my prayers and my giving get God's attention? I believe with all my heart they can. And so I highlight again, Woo, your prayers, your prayers, your prayers. Verse 5, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Sam, Simon a tanner, whose house by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now, what this is talking about here, he loves God and he fears God. But he doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so this angel is telling him, you got to sin for this guy named Peter. And so at this same time that God is dealing with Cornelius about Peter, the Lord's also dealing with Peter. And, and further down, and I can't read it, I can only paraphrase for time's sake. Peter falls into a trance, which is like a vision, and the Lord begins to show him things, and he actually, he actually changes Peter's theology. Anybody in here ever had God change their theology? Man, he does that with me. I love it. Sometimes we can get so narrow-minded where we really don't see what God's really saying. And so God begins to deal with Peter. Now, keep reading here with me. And when the angel spoke to him and he departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things, and then he sent them to Joppa. So if you were to look on a map in Israel, 
right on the Mediterranean Sea, about halfway through Israel is Tel Aviv. Up above Tel Aviv is Caesarea. Above Caesarea is Joppa. They're not real far to each other. So the, the angel tells Cornelius, you send these three guys to Peter, and Peter will go with you. You begin to see how supernatural God is. Verse 24. And the following day, they, the three men and Peter, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and his close friends. So remember, the angels told him, this guy named Pete's going to tell you everything you need to know about salvation. So, so Cornelius is so jacked up about it. He, he's like, oh my gosh, they're coming here. Notice who he invites to the, the party. All his relatives and his friends. Cornelius wanted his whole family to be touched by God. That doesn't tell me all who's in his relatives are there. But when you see the word relatives, that could be his parents, that could be his siblings, that could be aunts, uncles, cousins, in-laws, outlaws, whatever. But it shows me again, Peter was generational, I mean, Cornelius was generational. His desire was his whole family to get born again, to get saved. So he shows up. Now, for time's sake, jump with me to verse 29. Peter said, therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So he's, he's asking Cornelius, why am I here? What's the purpose of this visit? Verse 30. So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. Four days ago I was fasting. I was fasting. A spiritual discipline to get God's attention. To go deeper. Now, this is the first time he's mentioned that. But notice he said, I was fasting, and his fast was for a specific purpose, a specific reason. I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He's fasting. He's praying. He's seeking God, just like many of you are doing right now if you're still fasting. Verse 30, 31. And he said, Cornelius, now listen to this real close. Your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. They got God's attention. So just off of the last two verses we read, Listen real close. If we went to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, the Lord Jesus himself highlighted three significant things as Christians. He said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And off of every one of those, he said, when you do it with the right heart and the right motive, he said, I'll reward you. Something will take place. 
So what we now begin to see is we begin to see biblically, and you can go back and look in Isaiah 58. It is very similar that when men and women step out by faith and become givers, become prayer warriors, and become fasters, God begins to move. It's like those three things are a magnet to God. You want to get God's attention? Here it is. Verse 31 again. Your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Something was activated. Something was activated right there off of that. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tenor by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately. You have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you today by God. In other words, teach us. Tell us about salvation. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. God shows no favoritism. God takes no sides. God is not biased. Oh, happy day. God is not a respecter of person. You know what that means? It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you were born on the wrong side of the tracks. You have the, the potential and the same actions that they had to get born again. So when I read this here, this is part of the theology that was changed with Peter because Peter at one time didn't think the Gentiles could get saved. So if you're born again in here, we probably ought to give Cornelius a standing ovation. Thank you, Cornelius. Thank you for what you did. Woo! Let me highlight something there. He said God's no respecter of persons. So if Cornelius's prayer, fasting, and giving got heaven's attention, what about yours? What about mine? Verse 35. But in every nation... Not a few nations, but in every nation, whoever fears God, reverentially fears God, and works righteousness, and the word works righteousness literally means he who does the truth, who does what God asks us to, listen to what he said. He's accepted by him. Can I tell you what happens? They all get born again. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. The very things that the Lord said back in Acts 2, he said, you got to repent, you got to get born again, you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. They all start happening biblically right here. And so when I read this passage, it stirs me. It stirs me on the inside to say, God's no respecter of persons. God's looking for men and women that will just obey the Bible in this area. Now one last passage, turn with me to, to Psalms chapter 5. The fifth psalm. And as you're turning to Psalm 5, I give you a little God thought. The Lord said in, you're turning to Psalms 5, God said in, in Psalm 50, 15, call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me in the day of trouble and I'll answer you. Call on me. Anybody in here with any trouble right now? See, I look at this, and he gives this invitation over and over and over in the Bible. Just be men of prayer, women of prayer. Psalms 5, verse 1. A psalm of King David. 
Give ear to my words, O Lord. This was David's prayer. Lord, listen to my, listen to my prayers. Consider my meditation. Consider my groanings. Consider my trouble, Lord. Give heed to the voice of my cry. My king and my God. Now, it's interesting how he, he addresses him. He address, my king and my God. Do you know what? This time in David's life, he was the king, but yet he knew, I can't do nothing without the king and my God. He knew for me to succeed as the king of Israel, I got to have God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning. It was like when he got up in the morning, he said, I got to get before God. I got to begin to pray. In the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. And when you see the phrase there, to look up, that phrase literally means I'm waiting for an answer, God. I'm not going anywhere till I hear an answer from heaven. This was a man of prayer. I believe God's wanting to birth something in here where we learn again to talk to Jesus. So they're going to come back up and I believe God's wanting to do something just through those lyrics. I pray this sticks with you. If you got worries and anxieties today, it's time to start talking to Jesus. If you got circumstances that you need help with, it's time we start talking to Jesus. If you got a wayward child, it's time we start talking to Jesus. I mean, the list becomes endless. So I'm going to ask you to stand up there right where you're at. This is what I believe the Lord wants to do today. I believe he wants to, he wants to plant that in our hearts. I got to talk to Jesus. I got to talk to Jesus. You know, before I got born again, I, I, I was a sinner. I mean, a good sinner. I remember many, many, many. Many Friday and Saturday nights coming home. Way, way early in the morning. Way early. I knew when I got home I had to go through the front door and every time I'd go my mama was sitting in a chair praying I'm not here today and I'm not what I, what I get to do today if it wasn't for a mama that prayed for me Praying Samuels come from praying Annas. 
God wants to birth something. And there's some of you in here right now. You have family members. You got to pray. You got to talk to Jesus about them. I'm going to welcome you to these altars right now. As they sing, these are just not words. I believe God's wanting to birth something here. I welcome you to respond however you choose. Go ahead.